0: I can invite you to remain standing for our scripture reading, which comes from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. Isaiah writes this, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in a pitch dark land, light has dawned. You have made the nation great. You have increased its joy. They rejoiced before you, as with joy at the harvest, as those who divide plunder rejoice. As on the day of Midian, you have shattered the yoke that burdened them. The staff on their shoulders and the rod of their oppressor, because every boot of the thundering warriors and every garment rolled in blood will be burned, fuel for the fire. A child is born to us, a son is given to us, and authority will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be vast authority and endless peace for David's throne and for his kingdom establishing and sustaining it. With justice and righteousness now and forever, the zeal of the Lord of heavenly forces will do this. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God to be seated. We got some new spotlights this week, so um, they're going to be great. Uh, But you know, sometimes until you use them for real, all of a sudden you realize things that happen and don't happen and That's okay. Um, Where am I? All right, if I can invite you to turn your attention to the screen, uh, there's a short video that accompanies this morning's message. No? Huh, okay. All right, so this morning we're going to continue our sermon series, God With Us. And over the past three Sundays in this season of Advent, we've looked at the different candles on our Advent wreath, and we have talked about what they have represented and so on the first Sunday of Advent, we lit the candle of hope, and we read the passage of Scripture from Isaiah chapter 7, where we read that hope is offered to us by, sending, by God sending His Son, Jesus Christ. And so on that Sunday, we were reminded that Advent is the season of hope. On the second Sunday of Advent, we looked at John chapter 3 as we lit the candle that is supposed to signify or remind us of the love that we receive from God. And we read John chapter 3, we read the story of Nicodemus and of Jesus and how Jesus told the disciples the depth of love that God would have for the world. And Jesus told them that he himself was evidence of God's love because he came to the earth not to judge, but to love. And then that Sunday we were reminded that that Advent is a season where we remember the, the love of God and it is a season marked by the love of God. Last Sunday, we we lit the pink candle, and we read from Isaiah 7, and then we also read and, and looked at the story from the Gospel of Luke chapter 1, which are both passages that talk about joy. We read last week from Luke 1, where Elizabeth was in her home, and Mary came when she was with child, and the child in Elizabeth's womb leapt for joy when she heard the voice of Mary. We talked last week about how Jesus can bring joy into our lives and of how Advent is a season that is marked by joy. And so this morning we're going to be talking and taking some time to look at the book of Isaiah chapter 9 verses 2 through 7 as we're reminded that Advent can be a time of peace and it can bring peace into our lives and into our world. One of the best stories of peace, or maybe one of the most unique stories of peace in history, is, is the Christmas Truce of 1914. It occurred seven months after the, or five months after the start of World War I, and according to History.com, Pope Benedict XV had suggested on December 7th, 1914, that there be a temporary truce or hiatus among the warring nations to celebrate Christmas. I don't know about you, when when nations engage in war, usually they don't take time out for peace, do they? Or temporary truces. And so the nations did not engage in that suggestion. However, the story says that the soldiers on the front lines had their own unofficial truce. And so on Christmas Eve 1914, German and British troops began singing Christmas carols that could be heard by the opposition because this is trench warfare, so they're close together. At the first light of dawn on Christmas Day, some German soldiers came out of the trenches and crossed no man's land toward the British lines while calling out Merry Christmas. At first, the Allies thought this was a trick. However, they saw them approaching without weapons. So they came out of the trenches, shook hands, exchanged cigarettes, puddings, and sang carols and songs. And there's even a record that says that a number of them engaged in a friendly soccer match there on the battlefield. One German lieutenant was quoted as saying, how marvelously wonderful, yet how strange it was. The English officers felt the same way about it. Thus Christmas, the celebration of love, managed to bring mortal enemies together as friends for a time. The truce lasted a day. With the soldiers from each side returning to their trenches to resume the trench warfare that they were engaged in and this christmas truth was never truce was never repeated but we can look and we can say that on that day the spirit of christmas was there in a powerful way and so as we talked about last week we talked and touched on how the spirit the season of advent is a season of joy But we also can remember that for some, the season of Advent is not always a season of joy. Whether it's the loss of loved ones or of bad experiences or situations, Christmas is not always as Christmassy as we might anticipate or hope for ourselves or for others. But see, our scripture this morning speaks to a time like that. When things aren't necessarily just the way we anticipate or want them to really be. In Isaiah, we read the words of a prophet who was, who was called by God to speak to the people of Jerusalem during a time of great turmoil. The Assyrians had conquered the northern kingdom. Jerusalem is now in the target of the Babylonians. And so Isaiah was warning the religious and political leadership of Jerusalem that their actions mattered and that their unwillingness not to follow God would result in the destruction of the city, and eventually it would result in their demise. And so it's to those people that Isaiah offered a message of hope. As he told them, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in a pitch dark land, the light has dawned. You have made the nation great. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as those who divide plunder rejoice, as on the day of Midian you've shattered the yoke that burdened them, the staff on their shoulders and the rod of their oppressor, because every boot of the thundering warrior and every garment rolled in blood will be burned, fuel for fire. And then Isaiah offers the word of peace and of hope. A child born to us, a son is given to us, And authority will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be vast authority and endless peace for David's throne and for his kingdom, establishing and sustaining it with justice and righteousness now and forever. The zeal of the Lord of heavenly forces will do this. See, even as Isaiah is warning the people of Jerusalem of what is going to happen, he's also telling them of what is going to happen, isn't he? Even as he is, is telling them because that they're, of their unwillingness to follow God, because of their unwillingness to turn to God, because of the way that, that they have chosen to live their lives in such a way that, that they are nowhere near where God needs them to be or wants them to be or invites them to be. See, even as Isaiah is telling them of destruction and of what is going to happen, he is also bringing them a message of hope and a message that he is telling them that when the Messiah comes, he would usher in a peace that is unlike any peace that you and I can create or foster on our own. Now see, as I read this story and as I think about Isaiah and as I think about how uh, the, the city of Jerusalem fell with this long time of siege where the Babylonian army was surrounding the city like our illustration here shows today, I seriously doubt when the people first heard the message of Isaiah, they were thinking about peace. Or the peace maybe that they were thinking about is the peace that's absent of conflict where the, the invading army goes away and they're able to get back along with their lives. But I don't think they're thinking about the peace that God offers us, a peace that is greater than, than not just being in conflict with someone else. And see, that's what Isaiah's offering in Isaiah chapter 9. Is the peace that comes from God that works in the lives of faithful people by bringing completeness and by bringing wholeness into our lives that only God can provide. It's this peace that, that can calm our souls in a way that, that nothing else can, even when something that is drastic or life-changing is occurring. If you're familiar with the hymnal, there's a, a hymn, it is, well with, you know, it is well, it is well with my soul. And the author Horatio Spafford wrote this hymn as he recollected the events that he witnessed on a boat in the Atlantic heading to America. Spafford was in one boat, his wife and daughter were in the other boat. And from the deck of his ship, he witnessed his family sinking into the ocean as their boat sprung a leak and sunk into the Atlantic, resulting in the death of his family. He repinned the words of this hymn, It Is Well, as he considered the events of that day of the sorrow that he experienced, of the grief that he was feeling. But importantly, he recognized that even in this time of of grief and of sorrow and everything else that was happening, he was able to recognize how he had experienced and felt the peace of God that comes through Jesus Christ in his life. He didn't deny what had happened to his family. He didn't ignore what had happened to his family. But what he was able to see and what he was able to say was that even in that time, the The Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, is at work in my life and even in my grief. See, Paul says there's a peace that surpasses all understanding. And I don't know about you, friends, but to me, that's that. In sending his son Jesus to walk on the earth, God wants us to experience his peace. The season of Advent is not normally a season that's very marked by peace, is it? Because there's usually events, there's usually concerts, there's usually Christmas parties, there's usually uh, athletic events, there's other activities that happen that are very busy, very frantic, and very hectic. Although I have to admit to you that this year's Advent has been a whole lot less hectic, although I'm really missing watching basketball. But even with everything shut down, we're not exempt from needing God's grace and needing God's peace. In fact, as I think about the scripture today, I think it may be that we need it in an even greater way this year. Because in some ways, the celebration of Advent and Christmas looks so different from what we're used to. And so we need peace. We need the peace of God that is offered to us through Jesus Christ and we need to be reminded that Jesus Christ shows up in the storms of life and that he is present even when everything else seems unclear. In the Gospels, we read a story of when the disciples, and in Mark's Gospels, the disciples did not understand the peace that Jesus brings into our lives. And so Mark, we read that Jesus and the disciples were in a boat on the Sea of Galilee and a storm blew up there on the water. And you, know, you can talk to different historians and, and people that, that, that know about Israel. And, and the Sea of Galilee is a sea that storms can blow up almost immediately and then a short while later be gone. And so this storm blew up on the water and the boat is being tossed back and forth from wave to wave. And as the disciples' fear increased, Jesus is asleep. And so the scripture tells us that the disciples shook Jesus awake and said, don't you care what happens to us? Mark chapter 4 verses 37 through 39 says this, gale force winds arose, waves crashed against the boat so that the boat was swamped, but Jesus was in the rear of the boat sleeping on a pillow. They woke him up and said, teacher, don't you care that we are drowning? He got up and gave orders to the wind, and he said to the lake, Silence, be still. The wind settled down, and there was a great calm. See, with just a word, the storm ceased, the wind was halted, and the choppy waves turned still. The disciples disciples were in awe. See, this is early in Mark's gospel, and I think the disciples did not realize or they had not yet fully understood or or grasped that with Jesus being with them on the water, that meant that God was with them there on the water. They'd forgotten the same thing that it is so easy for you and I to forget, that it is so easy for you and I to overlook. And that is in the, the promise that when God sent Jesus, he sent himself to be with us. So that no matter what happens in our life, God himself knows the winds and the waves that we face in our own situations and our circumstances. That's the thing about peace, is that the presence of God is that God knows all of these things. And just because we have peace doesn't mean that, that we're removed from the storms. But what it does do is that even in the midst of the storms, we can know that our hearts can be filled with faith. We can be filled with focus. We can be calm. We can be filled with courage as we focus on him, knowing that he will never leave us, knowing that we can have God's peace. That's what we celebrate when we light the fourth candle on our Advent wreath, is that Jesus is God with us who brings us peace peace that we celebrate, peace that we accept, and peace that Paul writes to the Philippian church, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer, or by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And then he says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. See, Paul recognizes that even as we grow in our relationship with God, our ability to experience God's peace grows and swells within us. It's a peace that's dependent on God. It's not just on us, but it transcends our understanding. And it's not something that you and I can create on our own. God's peace doesn't always make sense, nor does it take away the worry that we face but allows us to experience peace even when we are in the midst of our struggles. Friends, this is the Prince of Peace, the son that God sent to be with us, to bring us hope and love and joy and peace. And so it's my prayer that in these final few days of Advent that we can find the peace of Christ, even as the winds flow, and the storms swirl. For God is with us. Amen.